0: We don't know a lot of anything about this team, so it, was, <laughs> it should be interesting.
1: I know they got, like, I know they're in good form. Like, they've they won a couple games.
0: They're two and four. Yeah. They've won and two and lost four.
1: Lopez is kind of like.
0: and That's their own right. good player.
1: Right? Yeah, I want to know more about them.
0: He's the guy that scores all their goals, it looks like, takes all their shots. So uh, all we have to do is stop him. Good luck, RGB. Yeah. I mean, uh, Teenage is allowed to play in this game. So I would not be surprised if he does play in this game. Mm-hmm. For me, that, that rookie,
1: talent. Hartlow, he's definitely playing this game, I feel.
0: Bartlow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure he's playing. And you never know. Like I said, we don't know Nagamore. What's how's he going to treat this game? Even though it's against a lower caliber team, you can't lose this game.
2: If you want a wheel, leave you in the dust. The men and orange baby got orange on my back. Be the ones next time for us to prank it back. Long as I got my fan club, y'all came home and El Batalion in the Texas Army. We MLS champ. So, hey, the bag back another game on the field. My team gonna
1: crap. All right, y'all. Welcome once again to an episode of Dynalytics, episode number nine. I'm here with my co-host, OSG, and what? we have a, go ahead, OSG, say hi to her. Hey,
0: buddy. yeah, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing? Holding it down over here, and welcome back.
1: Yes, sir. Uh, we're recording on Easter Sunday, so just if you do celebrate, happy Easter to you and your and your family. And a big shout out to to our guests this afternoon for hopping on with us today. Uh, we have a special treat for y'all. We have Mr. Reynaldo Silva, who's going to give us more of an insight on RGB. So, Reynaldo, welcome. Happy Easter to you, my friend. Thanks again for joining us, buddy. How's it uh, going?
3: Thank you guys for the invite, and I appreciate you guys inviting me along for being part of another podcast. It's uh, gr- uh, great to be on here, um, enjoying Easter Sunday, and I hope everyone else is staying safe as well
1: good deal man hey ray, ray i know you because we did compas the formula but tell the people what you do man and tell people how, how you're uh, involved with rgb toros
3: uh well first of all i usually go by ray silva i am from south texas Border sports uh not only do i cover the rgb fc toros but i also cover ut athletics and i also cover the recently crowned rgv vipers a g league champions affiliate of the houston rockets Woo-hoo.
1: that's right baby we we gotta give a shout out to the vipers man and i'm so happy they put them on espn and espn too so so the whole nation can watch them so that was pretty cool i know they're doing a great job with that g league team so congratulations to you and the rest of the viper fans down there man very awesome
3: Thank you. I mean, man, it it was a surreal feeling just being courtside and being able to to part see the uh, action of the uh, G League and seeing some of the future Houston Rockets that are hopefully going to be up there competing for a roster spot uh, in the fall, hopefully.
1: Yeah, I know. I know Knicks for sure is competing, trying to get in the in the rotation. And I know he's been killing it for y'all down there. Um. And I'm kind of curious, this is me speculating whatsoever. Okay. So don't, don't, don't take this serious. Um, and we're a Houston dynamo. So Houston, you know, it all matters. It all intertwines Houston sports. I'm kind of curious if Steven Silas doesn't work out, if we kind of poach your coach, you know? <laughs>
3: hey, it, it's been done in the past. You know, it's been done in the past. I mean, it, it would not surprise me. And and also, um, Coach Mahmoud Adel Fatah has also joined. The Rockets organization when uh, I want to say in 2019, when in 2020, when you guys were playing in the uh, NBA bubble, uh, the Vipers also had a truncated NBA uh, or G League schedule bubble uh, there in Orlando. So it wouldn't surprise me that if Coach Abdel Fattah ends up being part of the Rockets staff next year as well.
1: Yeah, no, it'd be awesome. I know he, I know he's worked his way up. I know he started as a video analyst, so really, really cool to see, and really, really happy for him for for the players and and for y'all. You know, it's 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 your hometown team, so that's very cool. That they, I think, two in three years, right? Yep. Yeah, that's very awesome, man. And uh, one more question about the the uh the the Vipers that I'm. This is me being curious. Okay. Okay. I had the privilege of, when I was in college, of going down there and uh, to the valley and very uh, like everybody described it to me. You know, like it's like Mexico and all. You know, but uh, it, it it it's uh it's a beautiful place for sure. And I think the people make the the place beautiful. But I'm kind of curious. When I was there, it was State Farm Arena. Why did y'all build? The dealership, I forget, Burt, I think that's the dealership. They sponsored the naming, right? But why would y'all build that new arena?
3: Well, he, here was several things. Um, the State Farm Arena, uh, well, first, that, let's backtrack a little bit. All right. The uh, State Farm Arena, before then, it was known as Dodge Arena, and it had the first professional hockey team, first arena indoor football team, and then came along the Vipers. And for several years, the Vipers played there, the Vipers played there. And to the ownership group of the Vipers, it just seemed uh, something cost associated to use that facility. And then the Dodge Arena s- uh, switched names uh, several times. It became a State Farm Arena. It became, And now it's currently called uh, Payne Farm Arena. So what the Vipers did along with the uh, city of Edinburgh was to build a, a arena of about 9,700 seats, probably even more than that for concerts and try to get the Vipers their own a venue. And because it was already becoming a, a little bit of a cost uh, effect for the Vipers organization. So they said, you know what, uh, will build or will build the vipers their own home their own temple and it would be used for basketball and for multi-purpose events as well so that's how the vipers ended up getting their own home and getting away from the uh, state farm arena or now Payne arena and which is now the the pain arena now it's currently owned by the city of Hidalgo, whereas the Bird Ogden Arena, it's like everything is controlled by Golden Grapes Entertainment, which uh, partially owns the Vipers. And now it's just like a separate entity where the Vipers are their own thing. The Toros are their own thing. And Bird Ogden Arena and HB Park are like their own separate entities.
1: Okay, so that's perfect then. Let, that's a perfect segue into what we're here to to speak of. So let's talk about the Toros, but because I'm a, I'm a nerd for stadiums, I want to know more about HEB Park. And if there's... So I'll be honest. To me, it looks like it's incomplete. Like there could be more expansion. Has there been any talks of that? So those are my two questions. You know, tell me more about H B Park, and then are there any plans for expansion or building expanding it in the future?
3: Well, this marks the fifth anniversary of H B Park. Opened in two thousand sixteen for play, Uh, first ever match that was ever there was R G V F C Totals versus Rayales de Monterrey, which ended in a 3-0 uh, uh, for the Rayados. Back then, the Rayados were coached by Antonio Mohamed. They had El Paton Sanchez. Uh, they had Funes Mori. They had Pavon. Uh, they had a lot of their big names uh, back back then. And this was, I, I want to say it was off the loss when they uh, lost to Tigres in that uh, famous uh, finale at in Clasico Regio and the Toros, um, you know, opened up that stadium with the under head coach uh, back then, Junior Gonzalez, and he was the franchise's then second coach. And ever since it serves as the home of the Toros. Now, as far as uh, expansion is concerned or modifying the stadium, uh, I wouldn't surprise if talks of that start within the a year or two from now, because UTRGV football has stated that it wants to play its its the collegiate football games there. Um, but other than that, I mean, I have not heard like any solid or concrete plans. But I wouldn't be surprised if these talks uh, start in a year or two. But no actual official information is out there public for that. Ten
1: four. No, I was just that was me being curious. I, I I I like the stadium. I like it a lot. Um and
3: kind of it kind it, of reminds me a lot of a uh, PNC it Stadium.
1: It does, bro. It <laughs> It's like uh it's like the lower bowl of the PNC Stadium, bro. <laughs>
3: and 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 I've been to PNC PNC Stadium myself back in 2019 when uh, USA and Chile played there in that 1-1 draw. Yeah. Oh, that
0: was fun.
1: Oh yeah, no, it was man. Back, so
3: back then when well, it was known as BBVA Stadium, and you guys had a hashtag Core Values Matt Jordan there.
1: Oh God! Why'd you bring that up? Right.
0: <laughs> move, move, on, hey. move on, move on, move <laughs> yeah. on. Hey,
3: it's it's like the Toros and the and the Dynamo are no longer affiliates, so now I can, op- throw that open jab now.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's that's true. That's true. <laughs> Me wow.
3: personally, I
1: was upset that we that we did away with the partnership, but seeing how this MLS League Pro um and dynados works i can understand it uh but i i was really a fan especially because the rockets had the Bipers as affiliate so i thought it was pretty cool that both the dynamo and the rockets had their affiliates down there but Uh, but the rockets still do though i know but the difference is that the rockets actually care about y'all as well as i feel like the dynamo kind of started caring but then slowly started neglecting. Is that how you how you felt
3: as well? Well, you can kind of look at it in, in that direction as well, because the Toros, uh, for as much as ideas as they had, uh, they were kind of like handcuffed to that idea of like the Dynamo always uh, doing everything from a technical side. As far as from a marketing side is concerned, they had all the liberties to do, uh, to market the team how they wanted it and they they weren't necessarily uh, tied down to like uh, d- uh, dynamo tactics, but they were just more tied down to the technical aspects of it because.
2: they. That's just... what I'm
1: curious. That's what I'm curious. Teach us, like educate us for those who don't know, because I know we would loan y'all players. But could y'all sign your own players or the Dynamo had to sign them and then loan them to you? How how, how did that work out?
3: It, it basically became like, OK, if the Toros wanted a certain player, it would have to go through the Dynamo. Uh, and most of the times it would be nays on the Dynamo side. Most of the times uh, there there have been a few exceptions uh, along the ways. Um one of the more recent names I can recall is uh, a Tyberson. He was a Brazilian midfielder who uh, really could never find his form with the Toros. Uh, Borja Anguillotia. uh, I'm I'm sorry if I butchered his name. He was a veteran keeper in the Spanish segunda division that was sent down to the Toros. He, he had a few starts here and there, but could really not find his, his footing. And, those were just some of the example names that that I can remember off the top of my head that were uh, veteran players that had playing experience elsewhere, but when it would come down to the Dynamo Toros relationship, it didn't quite uh, work out. Uh, another guy that I thought that should have worked out, uh, but because of the way the setup was, was uh, forward uh, Ruben Luna, who was a former... FC Frisco uh, prospect, uh, he ended up playing a lot of uh, Segunda División in Mexico, and he was somehow managed to be kept on for a uh, second year for, for the Toros organization, but really never uh, panned out. I mean, he had a great start, don't get me wrong, uh, but it just seemed like his production k- kind of declined because of the way uh, the system is ultimately set up I mean it's not that the it's not like your other MLS two sides like your New York Red bulls where they basically train together with the first team and then instead of following like a red Bull schedule they'll follow uh Red Bulls uh, Red Bulls to uh scheduling that's where kind of like the uh, the hurtfulness of that Toros and Dynamo relationship kind of hurt because you were separated by uh, six hours. That that's where that's probably the best way I can uh, describe the relationship between the Toros and the Dynamo, where it was a constant uh, six-hour separation and not having enough a uh, structure to where both teams could have functioned out in, in that relationship because it was one person for both teams type of environment.
1: Yeah. And it, it, it's rough like that. You know, it is, it's extremely tough and, and I wonder that myself, how, how it worked out. But
0: well, even now the distance gets brought up a lot and how the relationship was and how hard it, you know, how hard is it to have a long distance relationship and like, like Ray was saying that, the exposure wasn't there from the Dynamo side to to promote RGV that much. And, and you know, we, you didn't see them much. You didn't see them on TV as much either. So we didn't know when to watch them. So, you you know, it's probably, probably your Dynamo, you know, just not promoting and getting the exposure out there.
1: Yeah, sadly. Sadly enough. And I tell you, we might not be related anymore, but kind of like a, a mini segue here. Your head coach right now he's familiar to dynamo fans. Tell yes. us about Do you you like you don't like? Well How's the experience been
3: uh I wouldn't say my experience has been phenomenal but it hasn't frosted uh, either you know there, there were times that uh last season you know where I would I would Probably be the lone media member in English to uh, pepper Wilmer with questions, and I wouldn't pepper him like difficultly. Uh, there was also a Spanish media member at times uh, because everything was done via uh, remote connection. Uh, but I, I, I mean, Wilmer, right now, he's pro- He's the winningest coach in the franchise history. I mean, there's been three head coaches. It's been Wilmer, it's been Gerson Echeverry, and it's been Junior Gonzalez. And Wilmer has had the uh, winningest, uh, he's the winningest coach in Toro's franchise history, followed by Gerson Echeverry. And I would probably say my relationship is pretty good with him. Um, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, the few practices that I've been to, like I, I, like, he would only come up to the media when it would be time, but uh, away from the cameras, it's like we rarely see him because he's always uh, fine-tuning a lot of stuff with his team and trying to get things uh, coordinated.
1: What about his style on the field? Are you are you a fan or or do you like his style? What is his style based on on your experience with?
3: Ba- uh, based on my experience in watching Wilmer, he. He's a type of coach that likes to have a lot of possession and a lot of movement. And the best way to probably describe his uh, playing style, I'm going to use a basketball analogy. Uh, back then, the Utah Jazz would do a lot of pass and cut, a lot of pass and cut, and do a, a, a lot of the pick and roll type of offense. Um, the, the best way I can describe it for the Toros is, it would just be pass and move pass and move uh that they, they don't like to stay in one, in in one side of the field they really like to be fluid like say if a defender would start, uh, would start from, from the back he would immediately connect to to either band but moving forward you see they they're not a team that would like to hold back especially if they're if they're wanting to be a productive team, they're the type of team that likes to pass and cut and be moving at all times and not just be stated in in one certain position where you can have your forwards and they may just draw back a little bit just to like decoy the defense a little bit. And it's that type of uh, possession football where it's just a lot of pass and cut movements that Wilmer likes to play a lot
2: from.
1: OSG, do you remember Wilmer's time with the Dynamo being similar to that? What do you remember from those, from those times?
0: No, man, there's, 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 you don't remember anything. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My, my history with the Dynamo is just, is, is not real, real, real fluid and, and with, as far as being able, you know, especially since I don't live in Houston, I, I live in in Austin, Ray. So, following my team was a has been difficult in the past years until recent with social media, and now you can watch every game possible on TV. So, no, her her mind wasn't 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 too too familiar. My my days was when they moved here, and that was about it.
1: Good deal, good deal. Yeah, I remember I remember Barry possession heavy as well that's that's what i remember for sure but before we get into it obviously we're here today because the dynamo and rgb toros drew each other uh for the open uh, u.s open cup and our boy ray silva was telling osg and i that he's happy he got the dynamo in the draw why is that ray
3: well now that you guys um, uh, somewhat bring it up now, uh, during social media and during the lead up uh, of this of the draw, you know, after the Toros uh, defeated North Carolina FC, a uh, League One team or third division team, um, y- you know, a- after that game ended, I'm all like, "Geez, wouldn't it be juicy if Toros and Dynamo drew each other?" And they would have to come down to the Rio Grande Valley instead of, instead of us having to go up there as usual, because usually every preseason uh, it would be the uh, Dynamo hosting the Toros for an exhibition match for the exception of the COVID year where they came down and, and COVID cut everything short and, um, now if you look at it from another perspective uh, another reason why I wanted for this draw to happen was because okay now now you're now you're going to see how far have the toros come upon since being independent whereas the houston dynamo they have completely flipped their front office the coaching staff and even their roster is concerned. So there's kind of like a, a, a two-way uh, development story in, when it comes to this cup draw. But now, as I see it today, April 17th, I'm like, oh boy, now I'm sweating it as to why I wanted this.
0: <laughs> it, I, I think we definitely wanted it as, as well. And the all, all six of those teams... It it kind of worked out to where FC Dallas got Tulsa, Austin got San Antonio, and you know we got RGV, and I think that's the way everybody was looking forward to it to going, and uh, we we were excited for it. We kind of consider y'all a, a little bit of a rival now, I guess.
3: And and personally for me, if if I had like a second opponent that I would would have really seen here in the Valley, or out on the road, it would have been Austin to be a, a truthful. Uh, because Dallas, uh, Dallas are also going through a little bit of a, tra- a transition, and they're with uh, their new head coach Nico Steves. Tulsa, I've are, I've already seen in numerous occasions. Uh, I would have been up also for another South Texas derby, but because of the way the draw is set up, uh, no MLS sides can face each other. So it was basically like okay. Either all three MLS sides are going to host or all three of them are going to go on the road. That's the way the draw was going to be held. And no, it, it came out to be kind of the inverse opposite where you had two MLS teams hosting and one USL championship team hosting. So that, that's the way the draw kind of uh, came out. But uh, I think Tulsa had no business being in our And our side of the draw. Sorry, Tulsa fans. You guys made me stay up till like 4 a.m. once uh, during a uh, COVID uh, uh, lightning delayed game once. So sorry, Tulsa. No hate, but just (laughs) bringing up old stories that bring up uh, to bring up uh, assault to the wounds.
1: I can taste the salt, man. I can taste the salt. (laughs) 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 <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. You, you have a good pulse of, of RGB sports down there. So are the Toros well-supported by, by the community? And second question is, um, I know it's a Tuesday game, so it's rough for people that, that have to work. But are there like a, a group of supporters that are making the trip down here to support the team that you are aware of?
3: Uh, as far as, well, let me answer your first question. Are the Toros well-supported? That depends on who you ask, because you're asking me, I say the support is, is starting to build up and get there. And right now for me, a lot of people say like, Oh, the Toros have six years doing this. They should be here, here, and here. Like, wait a second for the casual fan that doesn't know the whole, a synopsis of the Toro should be doing this or the Toro should be doing that. Um, the the Toros have been going through a transitionary period where once the Toros managed to get the independence from the dynamo, uh, they brought in Ron Patel, who is a a soccer savvy marketer, and he started to build that franchise around. Uh, before the Toros played their Fourth game of the regular season last year, uh, they Ron Patel decides to just abruptly leave the organization, and there was no one with the high so- soccer influence to kind of like continue the push that
2: the
3: that the team uh, should be needing. It 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 kind of became like. A de facto GM type of thing where uh, Mr. René Borrego, who kind of oversees the the RGV Vipers now has to kind of oversee the RGV FC Toros until they find a proper a soccer person who uh, can, you know, oversee things the way they need to be seen from a soccer side. And now this year, uh, the the RGVFC Toros uh, have someone in that capacity who is now um, who is now doing a better job trying to bring in and trying to bring in a people into the club, uh, trying to br- uh, you know g- give them that. Uh, that new look that that they need, uh, as far as that is concerned. But right now, for me, it's still kind of uh, it's still kind kind of a building stage because the Toros don't know what it fully feels like to be fully independent. And the one guy that they brought in uh, from the Houston Dynamo organization is Travis Watkins. He served. Uh, under Matt Jordan's uh, Front office at the time And once Matt Jordan Was let go uh, Travis Watkins uh, Linked up with the Toros organization And he is Now uh, The one guy to kind of help uh, Steer the ship and try to uh, Help bring back Fans into The Toros organization
1: So Let's talk a little bit about the the team that that y'all assembled after what you call the independence.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: I know OSG was telling me about one of your players. I need to watch out for who was that OSG?
0: Lopez. Frank sounds Lopez. Like a, Frank, Frank Lopez. Yeah, sounds like a stud. Yes,
3: uh, Frank Lopez has been the guy who has uh, carried the burden on his shoulder pretty much. I mean. A uh, game that he's played, game that he has scored. Essentially, uh, the guy he's already scored in Open Cup. Uh, guys are our leading scorer on the team right now. He's been the one that's been able to, uh, you, you know, uh, he has uh, se- uh, seven appearances, five goals to his name. Uh, so far. That includes all competitions for Frank Lopez.
1: Where, where'd he come from? Where'd y'all uh, sign him from? And then after me, OSG has a question after you answer. Uh
3: Frank Lopez, um, he originally started his... Frank Lopez last year played for Oklahoma City Energy. He he had a tough time trying to find his footing. And last year, the Toros were able to acquire him in uh, in a loan deal. And after that loan deal expired, uh, Oklahoma City Energy uh, decided not to play this year, thus making Frank Lopez a free agent. And that's how he arrives to the Toros. So it's uh, been a a very a very good a very good start for frank lopez he uh lopez actually began his career with the la galaxy los dos he joined uh san antonio fc and he also joined the sacramento republic as well and that's kind of been part of his uh, career and he's also been a part of the cuban national team back in 2015.
0: Interesting, interesting. That's a so he's kind of he's he's kind of a journeyman, and he's is he not getting his chances for MLS rosters, or people overlooking him, or he, we no no we, we nobody knows about him.
3: Uh, for me, I I think his best chance to have ma- to have made an impression on an MLS roster was back when he was with the uh, Los Dos organization he um he's in 42 appearances he he scored 19 times and then uh from there once he joined uh, San Antonio FC uh on 14 uh, appearances he scored 8 times so he's had that scoring touch and then he, fi- he he fell into a little bit of a dip with uh OKC Energy on 20 appearances only scoring 4 times but thus far in his RGV uh, FC career Including the loan uh, from last season, he's uh, he's been on the team sheet. Se- he's made seventeen appearances and scored uh, seven times, including Open Cup action.
0: So he's a so, threat. So yeah.
3: he, he he's he's the he's the main threat that uh, Dynamo fans uh, or Dynamo defense would probably be on their heels r- uh, right now. He would be the the one guy that would be targeting, and he did score over the weekend in a victory over the New York Red Bulls too, as well.
1: So, who's setting setting him up for these chances? Uh, well, let me
0: before you segue into that question, let me ask you one that maybe segue into that question as well. You know, the, with if if I may, um, with with the style that Houston's nagamore no matter who he starts this weekend they're gonna they're gonna play a specific style and they're gonna they're gonna control try to control the game aspect and the tone of it everything but when when we're uh defending we're we're gonna we're doing a four two three one and it's an it's a very attacking minded formation and defending we're gonna high press you on three quarters of the field and the dynamo right now with under Nagamore's leadership are moving as a unit a, a, across the field. So they're, they're compressing where the ball is and they're pressing hard. And so my question to you is the, the style that our what style is RGV going to bring and to play against that style of, of defense? And how are they going to get Lopez the ball through that style of defense?
3: Well, the Dynamo, the I guess the only team that the that the Toros have seen that uh, like that like to high press like the way the Dynamo do it would be uh, San Antonio FC. How, however, against um, against the Dynamo since they're uh, since they're a, a speedier side than San Antonio, I, I guess it wouldn't surprise me that if Wilmer. Uh, from the last game to this game decides to switch up formations uh generally when Wilmer plays a pressing side uh like the way you guys do with uh, to to me I view it as a 4, four three3 three. Wilmer might have to build a uh, build out of a a sturdy blocked 442 uh, plane to counter that high press because they do have a handful of speedy guys on the roster that can probably give uh Dynamo uh the Dynamo a little bit of pressure in in that regard because uh, Wilmer does love to use his uh wing backs to kind of pre- to put to kind of offset that pressure a little bit and kind of play either a low block 442 or a sturdier block in a 352 or even a 4-5-1 to clog the midfield where it might it might be able to stop the high pressing and being able to provide some uh, quick counters.
0: We're we're definitely susceptible to the to to you counter attacking us because of the way we press and get up there, but the the way the Dynamo played yesterday which means they're in good form coming into your game the, the 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 guy the units defensively were getting back even after they lost possession and and Portland was countering against us. So by the time Portland was ready to amp up and get the ball into the box, our defenders were already back and they lost their they lost their opportunities and didn't have the the chances they were looking for. So I'm seeing Dynamo is going to continue to to do that and you're gonna you're just gonna have to I guess you have to take your opportunities where they come uh, as long as Don will stay in form when they host y'all on Tuesday.
3: Yeah. And, and you see right now, the Toros, uh, aside from having uh, trying to recover a lot of their players uh, from injury, uh, they were able to snap a, a four game losing streak in, in league play. And now that they cup, open cup opportunity comes up i i think this game is gonna help out it's good it's gonna help out both sides uh one for the toros trying to recover uh part of their roster which is coming back from injury and here's another twist to uh, another twist of faith uh tyler derrick might be starting in goal for rgbfc now that he's that he was able to start on Friday night versus the Red Bulls too, so that might be a, a another uh, side uh, sidebar story to follow there as well.
0: Tell, tell us, tell us, go ahead and tell us about the the keeper situation. I, I saw y'all have two different keepers. Who, 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 who are y'all gonna throw in the net? Well, you mean he, he-
3: here's the thing that i know about the keeper situation uh tyler derrick started opening night in the usl championship for the toros and after the game he uh he kind of felt a little bit of discomfort and which opened the door for the backup uh colin miller who who has served admirably in the times that he's been called upon and he was basically the playoff hero from last season's team uh making a a couple of penalty saves against a, a very potent uh, r- rising Phoenix team. And Miller has been able to fill in for a few games already, and he, and he's even played an open cup. So I would not be surprised if either Miller or Derek uh, start an open cup, but I would probably give more of the nod to Tyler Derrick only because he probably needs the game conditioning to get, get himself back going.
0: But you wouldn't use this game for game conditioning with it being a must-win, would you? I mean, unless that's the keeper you want to go with. I mean, Wilmer has
3: always uh, preferred the veteran over the young guys. Uh, that's the way I've always seen the uh, the situation built up for uh, the keepers that, that Wilmer has always had. He, he's always given a preference to the veterans – uh, whether you're playing the front line, the, the midfield or the defensive back, uh, Wilmer will always want to count on the on the veterans of the team. That That's just the way it, I, I guess that's one of the things that he's changed ever since uh, he left the Dynamo is that he's kind of been a little bit uh, a little bit been reliant on his veterans. If if that if that's probably a, a knock on Wilmer, that is it, is that he he li- he likes to stick with his veterans.
0: That, that can definitely be a knock sometimes, but if it works, it works, you know. So. Yes. It'll be interesting. Before Harmon House back in, are you are you uh going to make the trip to the game, or are you going to try to just watch it?
3: Uh, I'll be watching through ESPN plus unfortunately I mean if if times were a little different I would have definitely made my trip out there and, and get to explore a little bit more of a, of PNC Stadium I mean the last time I was there uh, I was on a quote unquote business because when my credential for Chile USA was approved it it I only had like 48 hours notice. To get there, oh, wow. to, to find it, to find a uh, transportation, to find hotels, it it became a uh, uh, quite chaotic.
0: Well, July 9th, Hector Herrera is going to start for us against Dallas. If you want to make that your next Houston trip,
3: well, the, uh, I'll have to think about that.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs>
3: <laughs> we're trying to fill our stadium,
1: man. <laughs> we're trying to. Yeah. Yeah, but you probably have to work too, right? Wait, <laughs> <Right?
0: laughs>
3: Uh, probably. I mean, I'm I'm not too sure about my work schedule on Tuesday. You know what? Yeah, I just looking at glancing at a calendar here. I do have to work. Yeah. Oh, good deal. So, where where
1: are these uh play? I'm curious on uh, uh, roster building standpoint, and then we can get into the the game. I'm curious, where do most of your players come from? Like, okay, so around the league, right? Like USL, but where do the USL players uh, come from? Like, is it draft picks? Like, do y'all have a draft or is it like people that couldn't cut it in MLS and y'all try to snag those players or where do most of the the players in your roster come from?
3: Uh, they right now, the USL gets their players from uh, however they can. I mean, some of these guys, there's a few Europeans that come in that probably don't, don't make it in their country. Uh, there's teams that probably there's MLS teams that give up under draft picks a little too early and they end up being part of USL rosters. Uh, I would probably have to say that, uh, about 58% of the USL rosters is probably 58% of it is domestic. But if you just go from it from a club by club, uh, I would probably say the Toros have a 40 52 to 48 uh, squad build. Uh, since right now the Toros squad has 25 players, uh, 12 of them are foreigners.
1: Very interesting, man. If I was part of the, the Toros front office, I kid you not, don't laugh, but I would straight up hold open tryouts or something, man.
3: They do. They they, they do. I mean, don't get okay. me wrong. Okay. Don't get me wrong. They, they actually do that. And you're not going to believe that there's been some, a, a, a little bit of, of lashing from, I, I want to say from the general crowd, because of how expensive these tryouts can be and that they simply make it for money. What most people don't realize is that a lot of the USL teams uh, don't have the same budget of an MLS team. And why do I say that? Because a lot of these USL teams, they depend on the money of the tryouts to kind of like sustain themselves a little bit. But also what they don't keep into consideration is that, okay, HB Park is HB Park, and they have some really nice practice fields that that the city of Edinburgh also uses also another thing to take into consideration is that they have to pay for player insurance they have to play uh, dish out money to have uh EMS out there and they also have to provide uh, a little uh, a little bit of uh, of everything when it comes to player safety because that's also a, a very important part as to why a lot of the a lot of the people that that come out to these USL Championship tryouts that they charge uh, X amount of fee for coming out and trying out because uh, the ambulance, uh, there has to be one ambulance there. There has to be an uh, independent certified doctor to be there. So it's it's kind of like a, a player safety issue when it comes to these tryouts because the last thing you want to see out there is like a a shattered leg, a, a body part, uh, being broken out there in a tryout and not saying that it hasn't happened before, but it, you, you know, with what soccer being as physical as, as it is, I mean, you you're just uh, putting yourself out there to a, uh, to what it could potentially be a lawsuit or something, but it's just something that, uh, that the league enforces a lot of the safety, uh, uh, a lot of the safety requirements and I mean, I'm, I'm not too sure what the U S open cup holds for if, if you're going to be doing the, the five uh, substitutions or not and having that extra sub for a concussion protocol. I'm not too sure if, if that's a thing uh, still in open cup. Uh,
0: so yeah, that's a curious question too. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure about that. There was, I'd be curious to see those rules.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I'd be interested to seeing that as well. I mean, uh, being that it it is a, uh, it, it's gonna be one of those things where, uh, it, you know, I mean, it's just it just becomes a, a safety issue type thing.
1: Ray, we kind of touched on it here and there, but okay, I'm gonna just ask you straight up, bro. What's your score for Tuesday night?
3: Um, this match, believe it or not, it's going to go into extra time. We're, we're going into extra time. but yeah, I, I think that the score will end up 1-1, but it's going to go into extra time. And I think the Dynamo are going to suffer to beat the Toros a little bit. And the reason why I say that they're going to suffer a little bit is because N- knowing the way that Wilmer likes to play uh, the possessive counterattacking style and with the way that Dynamo plays the 4-4-3 high press, uh, I just think that this game kind of feels like calling for a 1-1. We're going into extra time, and it's going to give the Dynamo a pretty good scare and a pretty good, uh, a pretty good wake-up call as to what you guys – or the Dynamo needs to work on just to try to have a successful season. That, that that's just me. It's gonna go into it's gonna go it's gonna go into extra time, but the Dynamo will suffer to try to defeat RGVFC.
1: So finish it though. Extra time, and Dynamo wins in extra time, or we go to yes, okay. yes.
3: You're you're gonna suffer. You're gonna <laughs> suffer. Yes,
1: it's gonna be excruciating.
3: <laughs> yes. Yes and and believe me it's not going to be pretty to the eyes either.
1: So I'm going to ask OSG because normally we're good at predicting lineups we kind of re- read Paulo but me personally I view this game as a like good measuring stick for some of our borderline roster players and our depth players you know players that haven't played much in MLS this year aka Darwin Seren, Memo Rodriguez. You want to take a stab at the lineup, OSG? Hey,
0: what yeah. Are you, what, are you feeling?
1: what are you thinking, man? Because you're good at this, bro.
0: You yeah, got
1: that sense for these things. You got
0: that, this, that that, that it, Different aspect now because you throw in the Open Cup and and Nagam, this is Nagamora's first, first team coaching job. So uh, you, you don't know how he's going to treat the Open Cup and, uh, you know, so we just played, you know, only get two days rest between games. So who's, you know, who's he going to throw out there and who's fit and who he, who does he not want to risk injury, blah, blah, blah. So I'll, I'll take a stab at it. But
1: um, who do you want us to play? Who do you want to see play?
0: <sighs> who, I, I mean, keep it as normal. But-
3: Please put Seren. Please put Seren.
0: I'm. I'm pretty sure you're gonna see Serena. I hope Serena you- <laughs> scores. Bro, I will
1: talk some bullshit on your Twitter. <laughs> eh?
3: <laughs> Only because I, uh, uh, on the Compass the Formula show, b- believe me,
0: I, I... Julio
1: Julio likes him a lot. I know he's a fan. Shout out to Julio Aguirre, if he's listening.
0: <laughs> well, expect to see him in in the midfield, but. Because uh, you know we don't know what Nagamore is going to do, so if you, I hope he just sticks to the normal lineup and just makes the the couple changes that he always makes, and and we play like that. Or you know, it's two day break. You're we're going to see some changes. You're going to see Bartlow in the defense, and I imagine you're going to see Hadebi start because he just got the red card yesterday, so he won't be able to play on Saturday. So I imagine he's going to get some get the start, and uh, man, Zekka will probably get the start on at the right back, which will be good for Houston fans. Uh, no telling who's going to get the left. We might see Junkwa Piley over there instead of Lunquist. Seren will I, – I see Seren starting over, over Coco or either over Vera, and then one of those two gets the other start. And if he doesn't start Quintero, we're going to see Memo Rodriguez start in the cam position and forwards.
1: I think we're definitely, think we're definitely seeing memo and, and set just for squat rotation yeah. purposes. Like we just played Saturday, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I, I'm for sure I, I think for sure we're going to see those players.
0: It just, it just depends. And like you said, we if they go with the five subs, you can all, you can make changes as early as you want to make changes. So, you know, we had memo and Sarin started the first couple games of the season and there was just, was no attack out of the midfield and we were complaining about the midfield. So, you know, that's also something Paulo might not want to go back to with those two in the midfield, you know, depending on who the third partner is too. So that's, that's something to look at, you know, and then you have the Dino those D- players that have potential of getting some uh, playing time being an open cup game. Uh, but it just depends on how Nagamore wants to play it. You know, uh, I would not be surprised if Seabass doesn't start and Thor gets to start in Seabass' place because uh, it's just two days after. And, you know, I just don't know, man. <laughs> we don't know nothing about our coach yet. It's hard to predict the lineup on this situation.
1: Hey, but... Ray, did y'all get to see Palomino down there in RGB? I don't know if we loaned him out to y'all. Did y'all get to see him or not? Or no.
3: No. No, okay. I, we we never saw follow me. It, it was always discussed, uh, talk about, but never, uh, never seen in action type of deal.
1: I got you. That's one player I I, I really do want to see play on Tuesday night. But OSG, oh, I'll ask you the same question, man. What's your scoreline for Tuesday, bro?
0: Well, uh I'm not going to be as as a uh, don't be shy. Don't be shy. No, no, We'll, we'll just be rough on him. I, I think it's going to uh, three, nothing, uh, uh, just the, and and again, it has a lot to do with which lineup he gets going in there. There's a lot of players in form and there's a lot of players that haven't been getting a lot of playing time, but they're, they know how to play the game. So I mean, I, I'm going to say three, nothing just the way the, the, the team has been coming together and playing well and getting the attack off. And they, and they take pride in their defending as a unit, uh, and, you know, again, we d- really don't know nothing about RGB, So it's kind of – that's not a hard one, but that's what I would expect to see Tuesday night, 3-0. Three, we're, we're not we're not wasting any time. We're not going into extra time. I, I got to drive back to Austin after the game, so uh, <laughs> we need to get you all back on the bus and head on home so I can do the same. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Ray – uh OSG, he's a season ticket holder man but he lives in austin so he makes that drive for every home game man he's a fan for sure
2: yeah uh, to-
3: for for me i, I don't mind uh, taking a stab at the lineup i mean Go knowing, ahead, bro, please. Kn- knowing that there's a uh, five sub- uh, substitutions just uh, looking at the last open cup um stat sheet here in front of me uh there apparently north carolina north carolina fc did make four substitutions against the against the Toros in in the Toros's lone open cup game I think Wilmer will come out with the 5-3-2 lineup um I'm going to say Colin Miller's going to be in the back and then uh, probably use the same the same back 3 like he did against uh New York Red Bulls too with uh Luis Daniel uh I have Wacky and Novarce being the back 3 and then your your five midfielders, or or to me that they, they naturally play defense. But for me, they're going to be uh, midfielders at least for this game. I think uh, Stefan Mueller and Robert Coronado are going to be your two wide guys. And then your middle three, uh, you're gonna you're gonna be surprised at at one of the at, at one name here, uh, Isidro Martinez. Juan David Cabezas and Juan Pablo Torres. On top, you'll probably have Emilio Icasa and Dylan Porcheck uh, coming. And coming off the bench would be Frank Lopez after putting in a full, almost a full 90-minute shift against the New York Red Bulls. Too. So, uh, Lopez will probably serve as a super sub for the Toros.
0: Would you be willing to risk that if you were Coach Silva? Would you leave him on the bench or would you want him to get him out there and try to get I, your team? Up?
3: I mean, right now, he's probably been the lone player of the Toros who has started all games and played 70 plus minutes. Um, you wouldn't want to like bur- or burn him out early on in the season and knowing that you still have a full campaign of USL championship ahead of you. Uh, so I think here would kind of be a little bit of of a break here to kind of uh give Lopez an opportunity and give Dylan Borchak to uh display himself to try to get get him uh going because he's been the other the only other guy on the Toro squad that has a goal to his name. Not anyone else in the Toros roster has a, a goal to to their name. There's been a lot of assists but not a lot of goals.
0: So Lopez on the bench. Okay, well, I'll take that. Thank you. From the Houston side of it. We don't have to worry about Frank Lopez. But Juan Vico,
3: this is gonna destroy every single attack that the dynamo may
0: pose. Oh, okay. So yeah, like like you said, you're you're I'm I'm expecting a good game. I mean, again, I really again, don't know. Again, it's what gonna to be
3: real that. ugly on the eyes. Again, it's gonna <laughs> be a one-one draw. It's gonna be ugly in the eyes. And and it's gonna go into extra time, believe me. It's gonna be one it's gonna be one of those games where uh both fan bases are gonna ask each other, like, how the how did we even take a lead? And how the hell did they even draw our team?
0: I hope that's not my drive home. <laughs> uh, I kind uh, of hope uh, it uh, is. Our Twitter space that on Tuesday night's gonna be mean. That <laughs> that's if that's the game we just witnessed.
3: Man, I am just gonna hop on and just laugh at you.
0: Hey, come on, we welcome it. Every every <laughs> every take is awesome take.
1: But yes, you should hop on, right? I I expect you to hop on to the space, man, and, and share your thoughts on the game uh, Tuesday night after the game.
3: In Especially fact, if I'll, you're watching from home, no, you know what? I'll probably be watching from work. And oh, okay, I'll, and I mean, I'll probably and I'll probably be joining in by work. I mean, I'll just have to take my uh, my nice little toys to uh, kind of uh, pop in and, and come in and, and chat along. You, uh, you, Dynamo fans.
0: There you uh, go. Hey, that's gonna be fun. We will. You, I think you'll be our first opponent to jump on. We see them pop in, but they never ask to speak. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> shy.
3: Well, do shy. Here's another guy who wouldn't be afraid to jump in. And I would ha- and and you guys would have to call him out sorry it's an Ochoa, but uh, you uh, you and your staff at down in the valley I I love you guys a lot you guys do a, a, a phenomenal job covering RGB FC Toros but I kind of expect for you to be on that Twitter space uh, when open Cup match ends
0: oh, awesome so that's a reach out uh, he just actually did a an interview uh, with uh, an, an, another Houston podcast and they just released their episode a while ago. So that, that's up and being aired. So I've got to go listen to it and see, uh, see what he thinks about RGB as well.
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: So always G any, any last questions or remarks before we start wrapping this up, baby.
0: You, you know, just uh, is, is, it kind of goes back to the beginning, really, but is RGV like liking being independent or do do they did they prefer being under an umbrella or is it's just better being independent and more con more free free rolling? I'm gonna say this much. Independence
3: has actually come at a cost right now for the Toros. Um, and the reason I say it, it comes at a cost, it's because you've had to bring in a little bit more front office staff and try to get them into that soccer culture. And and it takes time for this front office staff to kind of like embed them on how soccer is treated here uh, differently in this part of the country as to compared to where they came from. And, and my off-the-record conversation with uh, Mr. Watkins, who used to be a part of the Dynamo front office, he goes, here, there's a, a there's a, a lot that we can do here just because of the way uh, the culture is set up. And we just need the people to buy into it. And realizing that this isn't Houston that we're working with, we, we as a front office kind of have to... Uh, make double efforts to kind of do what we need to do in order to make everything happen possible and try to bring in the most people as possible.
0: And a, a follow-up to that one since y'all aren't affiliated with anybody no more, did y'all did y'all rebrand or anything or does no logo, okay? no the only the only subtle
3: rebrand was uh Having the color orange as a secondary color, because now the primary color has become uh, a little bit of a, a Italy blue type of color.
0: Right. Okay. I think I've seen that.
3: And I okay. wouldn't be, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Toros uh, busted out their all white kits against the dynamo. Ooh, interesting.
1: They're clean, man. I like those white kits.
3: I don't. They look like soft-served ice cream with toppings on them.
1: <laughs> Was better than this blue y'all got on, man? I, <laughs> I don't I don't like the blue, and, flu- and blue's my favorite color.
3: <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I kind of enjoyed last year's hexagons. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I kind of enjoyed those. Th- this year's, I mean, it just didn't do anything for me. I mean, the white one looks like soft-served ice cream. I, I'm I'm sorry, but th- that's just my opinion on it. And, and people have asked me, hey, go get me this jersey with my name on it. And I'm like, no, I'm just not.
1: I appreciate you giving us a plug for our sponsor, DQ. That's what I like about Texas. So if you're listening, DQ, hook us up. <laughs> you reminded me when you said soft serve ice cream, so the blizzard. Good
3: stuff. <laughs> you know, th- thank goodness I do have a buy one, get one free Blizzard inside my vehicle. Yeah, but, baby. But thankfully, that's just for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good deal. Hey, I'm going to start wrapping this up. We could keep on talking forever, but this was so much fun, brother. Absolutely,
3: thank you. man. No, Absolutely. For, for hopping I'm, I'm, on with us. A- absolute the privilege to have been on. Uh, whenever you guys need me, you know where to look me up and you guys know where to send the uh, messages to and I'll be happy to ho- uh, hop on.
1: Hey, so tell us where fans can find you and, and, and follow you, bro.
3: Well, fans can find me on my Facebook page at South Texas Border Sports. Uh, they can also find my YouTube uh, page at South Texas Border Sports. Uh, emails, comments and questions, South Texas at gmail.com. Uh my podcast can also be found on anchor.fm forward slash stbs. It draw I drop episodes every Monday um in the afternoon, so with with special guests at times, and sometimes I'll have a recurring guest. Uh, but I do drop episodes on there.
1: Perfect. OSG, same question for you, buddy.
0: Hey man, everybody knows where to hit me up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh Eric <laughs> old old soccer guy on, on Twitter and on on uh on Instagram. You'll get more photos on Instagram and Twitter. We just try to keep you keep you posted with the news, but don't flood it. You know.
1: Yeah, so for those listening. At Somos, S-O-M-O-S, 713. That's where you find the, the Twitter spaces after the game. So this Tuesday night, we'll be uh, doing it probably 30 minutes or an hour after the game. Um,
3: and make sure you hit the button record.
1: Okay, good deal.
0: Yeah. Absolutely, every time.
1: Tanfo. folks. i think at compass we have a problem doing that they can never figure it out
0: okay i think it
1: was uh so yeah but yeah no uh and ray i hope you join us on space after the game and hopefully it's a good game and and again happy easter and, and thank you again so much for joining us buddy
3: all right thank you guys so much i appreciate you uh being uh being available inviting me on and uh Uh, Hope that uh, everything ends up going well.
0: OSG,
1: it's always a pleasure, my friend.
0: Yes, sir. And, Ray, again, thank you. And we wish nothing but luck to RGV. And let's let's have us a hell of a game on Tuesday night. And, Mr. Silva, have a happy Easter. And thank you for coming on, sir. Likewise.
1: Man, that was fun, OSG. I hope you had a great time as much as I did speaking with Ray
0: that was a blast he he was he's, he's a good guy knows good what he's talking too.
1: about
0: <laughs> yeah absolutely
1: <laughs> good character yeah, it was great
0: get him up here one day when we play again and maybe on a weekend and we, we'll, we'll have to take a seat with him
1: yeah we do that that'll be fun but yeah it was good learning about uh rgb toros and uh see what we can expect later on this week against them in the open cup but thank you all for listening to Dynalytics. Again, this is for you. We do this for the fans. If you have any questions that you would like us to ask our guest, please reach out to OSG. You can reach out to Somo713. You can hit us up on OSG's Instagram. And Twitter is the best way to get in touch with us. Again, this is for y'all. I hope y'all had a blast listening to the episode as much as we had making it. Um, And I just want a couple of reminders uh, for y'all. After the game Tuesday, we're going to have a space at Somos713 on Twitter. And Wednesday, we have another special guest for y'all, a big treat. We're going to be interviewing uh, two individuals, contributors to Big D Soccer. Um, So really excited to to speak with them. It might get a little... um, a little sauce, a little natte I don't know. I don't know the right adjective, but it might get a little heated because <laughs> we're fans and the rivalry is still there, you know, but, um, I think it's going to be a good game, a good measuring stick for, for our team and see where we're at. But, uh, really looking forward to speak to them and OSG is always a pleasure, buddy. I'll, I'll give it to you so you can wrap it up for us, baby.
0: Yeah, yes, sir. And, and, And and another big shout-out to Big D Soccer. When we talked to them on on Wednesday night, they're hosting a doubleheader in Frisco. So it's Dynamo versus FC Dallas at 2 o'clock and then Dynados versus North Texas Soccer at 5 o'clock for a MLS Next Pro showdown, which is looking like to be two of the perennial teams in the Next Pro uh, get to play each other and, and being a part of Copa Teos as well, too. So yeah man hey thank y'all for everybody uh hey listen to us on anchor all the episodes all the twitter spaces are recorded and posted there you can leave a review as well so man give a listen a like a share give a review and let's keep it going hold it down h's hold it down for h-town baby hey the us hate when we in
1: the race hey we up
2: in the place and we gonna put let them know you the Dynamo, hope you to Dynamo, you to Dynamo,
1: you to Dynamo. Hey, let's say we lose when we in the race. Hey, we up in the place and we gonna put it in a play. Let them know you to Dynamo, you to Dynamo, hope you to Dynamo. Hey, OSG. That
0: was, that was fun, man. Yeah. That was good stuff. Busy with all these, uh, all these guests, man. I'm- I'm li- I'm liking part of it better than the space.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. The guest, yeah, me too, by far, yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure, dude. The guests are more fun for sure.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I thought that went well. I didn't know what the hell we were gonna speak about, bro. I just if if stuff kept popping up, I just kept it going. You know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I thought about the same thing because you know we know nothing about them. But I was like, you know, we just just repeat our last episodes and kind of ask the same questions. And yeah,
1: basically, yeah, for sure. for sure.
0: I did. So I did know about Frank Lopez. I did look at try to look him up, and he's he was the only player. And I looked at their last five games they played, and or six games they played, and all that stuff. So we had a little bit of something. I got <laughs> but, you. Yeah, but I mean, nah, she, I, think, <laughs> I think I mean
1: I I know. I to predict our lineup because we don't know squat rotations, you know, but yeah. it's interesting. He said the same thing, you know. I thought they were gonna go all in, you know, because it's yeah. like do or die for them type thing, you know.
0: This is a must, it's a, it's a must win for both of us. You're not, he's they're not benching Frank Lopez. If no, you're they're winning, not,
1: they're not, bro. No way. The,
0: the, way, that's some the
1: way that's some, yeah,
0: bullshit. the reason he used is like, no, then he, then he benches next game within exactly. You bench him in a USL championship game, not a friggin' open cup game where if you lose, you're out.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah.
0: Okay. So that's why I said, thank you. I hope they do. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> seriously. You no, know, we're going to be up two to three to nothing by the time he comes in. No.
1: Seriously,
0: bro. <laughs> I, mean, I think we're just – Man – I don't know. I think we I think we're going to blast him. Like I said 3 to nothing.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I think 3-1. I, I think we're going to rape that ass for sure.
0: Yeah. I don't see him scoring, especially if Lopez don't start.
1: <laughs> for sure.